Hello and welcome to Pelvic Floor at its Core, the only podcast out there that is brought to you by a women's health medical technology company. I am your host, Shravya Cavella, Pelvic Floor Physical Therapist and Business Development Manager at Flight by Pelvidol. We have a unique approach at Pelvidol. We believe our product, Flight, can provide life-changing outcomes, but we also know that no single treatment is right for everyone. We are therefore working hard to increase the collective knowledge out there about the importance of the pelvic floor. Because the more we work together, the more we can work towards increasing access to pelvic floor care so all women can truly live their best lives. On this podcast, I bring on pelvic health experts to talk about a variety of topics that any and every woman and clinician can relate to and learn from. It's always informative, always interesting, and we always have fun. So let's get into it. Good morning to my fellow pelvic floor enthusiasts, or I guess I should say good whatever time of day it is, whenever you're listening to this. I have on a really great guest today. Her name is Kim Vopney, and you may have heard her name, but if you haven't, it's probably because you've heard her by her other alias, Vagina Coach which really is pretty brilliant, and we actually even get into how she came up with that name in the first place. Kim is a total powerhouse and has done so much. In her work as a coach in health and fitness for women with pelvic floor dysfunction, she sees clients one-on-one, collaborates with other healthcare professionals, and has created several online pelvic floor fitness programs for both pregnant and non-pregnant people. Some of these include hypopressive exercise, which is just really interesting in how it helps reduce prolapse symptoms, and we get into that today. She has written not one, but four books, and probably most importantly, has experienced her own pelvic floor challenges and has overcome them successfully, fueling her work today. You guys will really love Kim, so let's jump right into it. Here we go. Hello. Hello. Hi, Kim. Welcome to Pelvic Floor at its core. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm super excited to have you. I think I wrote this in an email to you, but I've been reading all about you and you're just such an inspiration. So very pumped to talk to you today. Thank you. So I just kind of want to dive right into it and want to know what motivated you to begin your business as Vagina Coach in the first place. It was really, uh, I go back to grade six where I saw a childbirth video in sex ed class and it sort of put a little bit of fear in me and I went home (laughs) looking at my mom a little differently and thinking, well, she did it and my aunts did it and grandmas did it. And anyway, it started the path of growing up thinking I'm never going to have kids. I I viewed it as something that completely destroyed the body. And I knew my mom had had some challenges and I watched her go through those as, as she got older. And so that was, that that was it. I wasn't going to have children. And then obviously I grew up and I met my now husband and decided I did want to start a family. And I was determined to have a different story than my mom. So I was really curious about how to prevent tearing, looking at how to prevent incontinence. Those are things I knew my mom had struggled with. And so I felt like that was kind of the end all be all. So I uh, was using midwives and they told me about a biofeedback device called the Epino, which Mm -hmm. is manufactured out of Germany. And I researched that and it made perfect sense to me. It was based on principles of strength and stretch in preparation for a physical event, which I view birth as. And 
so I had a great experience and, and I certainly credit the fact that I was using midwives. I felt very safe. I was in a sideline birth position, which can play a role in helping preserve the perineum. But I do feel like the product played a role as well. And I felt like it's a valuable tool that others would benefit from knowing about. So I contacted the company and asked to become a distributor. And my intention wasn't necessarily to start a business. It was just to have a bit of side money. It was pocket money, right. basically. Uh-huh. And yeah, so that's kind of how it started. And then in 2009, I I had worked in fitness and then got out of it. And I was working in a corporate job. And in 2009, I was laid off from that. And I basically, that's when I started my business. I started a website started using social media, which at the time was really just Twitter. And right. Reaching <laughs> out to others. Yeah, exactly. Um, reaching out to others. And I formed a second business called Belly's Inc. with two other women. And we were focused on postpartum recovery. Initially, I was working primarily with pregnant women. And then in Belly's Inc., we started working more with postpartum. And then I started to have people coming to me who were in perimenopause and some people who had never had children, but who had challenges with their pelvic floor. And the vagina coach part came about, it's about four or five years ago now, I was invited to speak at the Mompreneur National Conference. And my talk was how optimizing your pelvic health can make you a better mompreneur. And so it was my turn to speak. And I came up on stage and sort of joked. And I said, well, now you have a vagina coach for your business because everybody up to that point had been some sort of a business coach. And so now I thought, okay, well, I've got to be some kind of a coach. So the, the, it just sort of rolled out like a joke, but it it sort of summarized everything that encompassed pelvic health for all stages of life. And that's so that's kind of a, a shortened version of how it all started. I love that. I mean, that's great. And I mean, Shouldn't everyone have a vagina coach? You know, everyone out there who owns a vagina should have a (laughs) vagina coach. Yes, I think so too. That's incredible. And I, what I love about your story too, is just how proactive you were, you know, Mm -hmm. coming into your pregnancy, coming into childbirth. And, and that's something I wish we had more resources for. And Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what you do, which is just so great. And so I was reading about you, as I said, and I, I, saw that you had experienced some of these things that you're helping other women with now, like stress, urinary incontinence, prolapse. Do you mind giving us a brief description of what it was that you were dealing Mm -hmm. with? Yeah, for sure. So when I was preparing for my pregnancies, I, I I was coming, I've always come from a place of prevention. I would rather prevent something before I have to fix it. And so knowing what my mom had dealt with, I wanted to prevent tearing. I wanted to prevent postpartum incontinence. And in my mind at the time, not knowing all that I know now, I felt like if I prevent tearing, then that would mean I wouldn't get incontinence. And so I prevented tearing. I didn't have any external tearing. Woohoo. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I look like my my first son was, he crowned sideways, which is the widest way to present. And even my midwives marveled that I didn't have any tearing or, you know, abrasions even. But I did find out years later that I actually had internal tearing and I hadn't even given thought that that was possible. And so I had some scar tissue from that. And so it was several years, I think it was about maybe two years after my second son was born when I was at an exercise class and I was doing jumping jacks and I, I was, I leaked and I thought, uh, wait a minute, I didn't have any tearing and I did my pelvic floor exercise prior to giving birth. And so I, I hadn't, you know, again, knowing all I know now, I didn't do really a lot to recover. I just sort of, you know, hung out and right. waited and 
I, you know, I, I tried to go for a run at two weeks postpartum. I remember that and it didn't feel good. So I did stop, but I didn't do any okay. core retraining. I didn't know about pelvic floor physio at the time. And so when that happened, I, it, it sort of coincided with the time that I was starting to get referrals from pelvic floor physiotherapists and I, I had never heard of them. So I reached out to one and they were referring people to me to purchase the Epino. And I reached out and said, what, what do you do? And sat down and learned. And then I sort of shouted from the rooftops after that. And I still do. <laughs> You're <laughs> like, everyone single, should know about this. Everybody. Yes, exactly. Everybody should know about pelvic floor physio and how is it not covered by the government? And oh my gosh. Yeah. And so, um, so anyway, I, I learned what they do. I, I, had a, an assessment, I started to work very diligently on core retraining and no longer had incontinence and still, I still don't experience it now. And that sort of also became part of the foundation of what then became the courses that I created and the certification courses for other fitness professionals was a, all around core retraining and mm-hmm. how to, you know, look beyond just go home and do your Kegels. What can we do? So that was the stress urinary incontinence piece. And then Several years later, well, let me back up. After the birth of my first son, even though I didn't have any tearing, I still, I felt like I was sitting on an egg. So I felt like I had this big lump that was there. And I look back now and think that was the start of what advanced and became a pelvic organ prolapse. What prolapse is, is where the bladder, uterus, and or rectum shift out of their optimal position and they can bulge into or descend into, in the case of the uterus, descend into the vagina. And it can be quite uncomfortable. It can make, it it has lots of different symptoms. So several years later, I, you know, I had seen a physio that one time I had been doing my exercise. I didn't have incontinence anymore. And up to that point, I I had never even heard the term prolapse. It wasn't until even like, it was about a year or two after that, that I had first heard the term prolapse. Oh, wow. Okay. And didn't have any symptoms other than, you know, that, that feeling of sitting on an egg went away. So I I didn't have any symptoms of prolapse. So I just kind of carried on. And then once I formed my second business, I started to now preach that we should see pelvic or physio every year. So I started to do that, found out I had a early stage rectocele, and that's where the rectum bulges into the back wall of the vagina. Mm-hmm. And it was early stage. I didn't really have many symptoms and just sort of said, okay, so I'll keep it in check. But what I was also struggling with at the time, which it was unrelated, but contributed to the exacerbation of my prolapse was uh, an undiagnosed autoimmune condition. And I, and I dealt with a bunch of crazy symptoms, one of which was constipation. And I had never had constipation in my life. I had always been the most regular person around. And I, and I didn't understand why I was having it because I ate he- what I considered to be healthfully. I drank tons of water. I exercised every yeah, day. And you were I, like I doing all the things that yes. you felt were right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I was struggling with constipation and straining, which led to an exacerbation of the rectocele, and it can exacerbate any type of prolapse. And so it became worse and I was having more symptoms now. And so it was about nine years that I was dealing with that and oh, wow. um, changed my diet got the you know once I had the autoimmune diagnosis that changed a lot and helped me get back on track with digestion and improved that and got rid of all the other symptoms as I then was now approaching menopause there was also tissue changes and hormonal fluctuations and so the symptoms weren't really as manageable anymore mm-hmm. and I had done all the conservative whatever everything I possibly could and uh, in the end I chose to have surgery which I was really afraid to do because here I am coaching people to avoid surgery and now I'm going right. to use it so I felt like a bit of a hypocrite at first but then I recognized that there's there is a lot of shame around surgery. And there's a lot of people who it really can be a, a, a really valuable option. And 
we just need better education around preparing for and recovering from surgery to make it more optimal. So totally, totally. And I, I think there's kind of both sides of the coin there. You know, there is a lot of shame about that. But at the same time, I think sometimes there's also a feeling of, well, surgery is my only option. And so it's kind of that understanding of there's a lot of options out there and what's right for you may not be right for someone else. And and that's okay. Yes, exactly. Very, very true. Yeah. I love that you brought up that you started experiencing symptoms two years after your second son. Was that right? With the Mm -hmm. SUI. And I just think that's such a great point because I think oftentimes we forget that it's never too late. You know, I mean, here you are, you were experiencing symptoms, you had this background, you developed all these courses, and you're able to seek out options that worked for you. Mm -hmm. Even though it wasn't, you know, something that you dealt with right away, it's like, okay, if you've been dealing with these symptoms for a long time, it's not too late. There's still something we can do about it. You can still get better. Yeah. Absolutely. And and it's also, it also isn't just for people that have given birth or people who've given birth vaginally, you know, people who've never been pregnant before can experience these same challenges. And, and yeah, absolutely. It's never too late. Oh yeah. Thousand percent agree with that. So I do want to get in before we wrap up with our interview portion about hypopressive exercises, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because that is something as a pelvic PT, I honestly didn't know enough about those exercises until really recently. And actually I learned about them mostly through yoga and just did kind of some of my own research to see how it can be related to reducing and helping with prolapse symptoms. Mm -hmm. So when I saw that on, on your courses and what you offer, I just wanted to ask you about that and see how you incorporate that into your courses. Mm -hmm. Hypopressives are a real game changer. And I feel really fortunate that I stumbled upon them. I found this person's website. Um, Her name is Kaiza Tuomanen, and she was in Spain. I was following along watching some of these videos she was doing, and she was performing hypopressives. And I had never seen anything like this before. And I was doing my best to try to replicate what she was doing based on what I could see in her videos and, you know, of the little English there was shared. And finally, I reached out to her and I said, you know, you're a, a coach t- trainer in this, would you be open to coming to Canada to teach me and and others, I, I can get a group of people together. And she was, she said yes, but then she got pregnant. And so oh, long man. story, it kind of became a couple of years. And in the meantime, an, another good friend of mine found out she had a prolapse. She also is in the fitness world. She just said, well, I'm not waiting, I'm going to fly to Spain. So she, she flew to Spain. And I love trained. that. <laughs> yeah. And um and came back and her prolapse had improved by a stage. And then she went back to Spain and she learned the second level of the technique and came back and her prolapse was went away. And basically now her entire business is completely hypopressives. And so Kaiza, after all that, she was, you know, finished having children. She came to Canada and taught all of us the course. So exactly what is that technique? Just so that everyone can be on the same page. Yeah, it's, it's a series of postures which are considered low pressure. And by low pressure, meaning they don't create a significant rise in intra-abdominal pressure. And intra-abdominal pressure is something we all have. It's part of our core control and stabilization mechanism. All sorts of things contribute to rises and decreases all throughout the day. Even standing up from a chair will increase your intra-abdominal pressure. And when we manage that pressure well, we we don't even think about it. But when we don't, for whatever reason, maybe something is a, a significant rise and we don't handle it well from an execution, like how to manage it properly, we may get hernias or we may have incontinence or we may have prolapse. And so the the 
Technique itself is a series of poses that are considered low pressure, don't, don't have a huge rise in intra-abdominal pressure. And then there is a rhythmic breathing pattern added, usually in a starting out a, a three series, a three breath series cycle. And at the end of the third breath cycle, after all the air is exhaled, you close your glottis, meaning you you basically don't allow air to come in. And for some people, when they're first learning, they may need to close their mouth and then plug their nose. But it's similar to where you go underwater and you, you hold your breath and you don't allow the you know any air to come in. And then once you've closed the glottis, you then expand your ribs as if you were inhaling. But because there is no air coming into the body, it creates a pressure change and there is a subsequent reaction. If you look at it, it's like the abdomen is being drawn inwards and upwards. So there's actually no activation of the pelvic floor. There's no activation of the abdominal wall. All we do is basically just, it's actually the serratus anterior to help expand the ribs. And then that mm. creates this involuntary response that draws up the, the contents. And there's a ligament that attaches from the bladder to the umbilicus called the uracus ligament. In the breath hold portion of the hypopressive, it's called an apnea, that drawing up will essentially influence that ligament and sort of lift that ligament up, which then will also lift the bladder. So it's most effective for bladder prolapse. Next in line would be uterine prolapse. Rectoceles don't respond quite as well to the technique. They're not as influenced quite as strongly. However, they can offset any of the other, like again, the bladder and the uterine that can sometimes start to prolapse if you're dealing with erectoceles. So right, and then kind of impact the symptoms you might have from that. Yes, exactly. That's yeah, interesting. So, um, so if you catch it early enough, stage one or stage two, you can. I've seen many people reverse it. Stage three, I haven't personally worked with anybody who's completely reversed it, but they have got to a stage one. So it really provided so much hope and relief from symptoms and it, it has transformed the landscape for prolapse and fitness. Yeah, that is really, really incredible. And I think hypopressive itself, if we kind of dissect that, it's hypo meaning low and pressive meaning pressure. So it's right there in the name. Yes, exactly. Um, and, you know, as you said, that intra-abdominal pressure just plays such a big role in how we manage that pressure can impact our prolapse. And, right. and so I think that's really interesting that there's just this whole world of this type of exercise that is specifically working on that abdominal pressure. Yeah, exactly. And it's also now called low pressure fitness is sort of a, a same technique, just a different name. So I've used it personally. I reversed a stage two uterine prolapse that I had. And again, I've, I've used it with hundreds of clients who have completely reversed or improved their prolapse. I've incorporated it into a couple of my online programs. And I also do it with, I'd say, 95% of the clients I work with online. Very cool. Very cool. And and I love that you mentioned about Spain first, because that's actually where I heard about it, I think through like someone online. Mm -hmm. And apparently it's very popular in Spain. Like it is very an exercise routine. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Well, it started out in, it was a physiotherapist in, um, I believe it was in, maybe it was in Belgium at the time. I forget exactly where he was using a speculum actually to evaluate the pelvic floor of a patient. And this person had a prolapse. And when he went to insert the speculum, the person was startled and he saw a retraction in the prolapse and he he was thinking, well, how the heck did that happen? And so he sort of tried to replicate it and then ended up creating the hypopressive technique. And then now from that, there are a few people who have turned it into more of a fitness program. And that's sort of where the low pressure fitness 
name came from. But yeah, very, very popular in Spain. That's where a lot of the sort of long-term instructors stem from. Uh, It's been used in Europe for over 20 years easily. Yeah, that is so interesting. It's something that I really don't know enough about. And it just is always fascinating to me to learn about these options out there, because that's something I'm always telling my patients that Mm -hmm. there are options out there for you. So I could talk about this all day because I think it's fascinating. But I do want to get into the case study that you have prepared for us. So Mm -hmm. how does that sound? Should we get into it? Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Okay, so what are some of the key things we should know about the women in your case study that you've picked for us today? The reason I chose this particular person is it kind of goes back to the point where we were saying that it doesn't just happen to people who've been pregnant. So this particular client was in her 60s. She was 64 when she came to me and she has never been pregnant, uh, therefore obviously never given birth, but was dealing with stressed urinary incontinence, a little bit of urgency and chronic low back pain. So I I chose her because of, again, the point that it can happen to anybody and it's not something you need to, she had accepted it for many years. She just sort of was like, well, it's just part of getting older. It's just part of being a woman. Um, But she was able to completely eliminate her symptoms. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's such a good point that you make too. And I find, especially because pelvic floor out there in the world often is associated with pregnancy that if you haven't had a child, maybe pelvic floor doesn't even you know, cross your mind or your core or yeah. how any of that is related. Yeah. So yeah, that that's a great point. Was there anything during your initial meeting with her that just stood out to you immediately that you felt like needed to be addressed first? Well, the, the reason she came to me was the back pain. She had been following me for a while and she read that back pain can be correlated with pelvic floor challenges. So she said, I, yes, I do leak, but my main complaint is this back pain. I've tried everything. I've gone to chiropractor. I've gone to massage. I've done a a long laundry list of therapies and she'd never been able to get rid of it. So she wanted to address the back pain. I wanted to address the incontinence. Of course they were, (laughs) they're, they're directly correlated and and right. Absolutely. One will address the other, but I started to question her more on the incontinence piece and learning a little bit about the behaviors that could potentially have been contributed. So what, what was it? When did it show up? When was it happening? What types of foods and drinks was she eating, consuming? What sort of activities she was doing? So doing a little bit of a, like had her do a bladder diary and also did some questions around her, her behaviors and her lifestyle but also then weaving in what she wanted, which was the back pain. So asking her about that too. When did it show up? How long have you been struggling with it? What type of pain was it? You know, that type of thing. So I went immediately to the pelvic floor as I always do, <laughs> because mm-hmm. that usually is, usually by addressing that, it will resolve the back pain. I always say there's no magic exercise, but there is there is the magic of the pelvic floor. And when it's optimized, it can it can transform knee pain, hip pain, back pain, breathing, all sorts of different things. So that's where I started with her. I always say, think about where it is in our bodies. It's like right at the Mm -hmm. core, you know, Mm -hmm. it's right there in the pelvis. And I remember when I was studying for my board specialization in orthopedics, I wasn't even thinking about pelvic floor yet. I hadn't taken Mm -hmm. any certification classes. I remember I was reading some of the practice guidelines about chronic low back pain. Mm -hmm. And I was really interested and surprised to see that one of the main indicators or risk factors for chronic low back pain was urinary incontinence. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we think, oh, you know, posture or these other factors that may play a role, which absolutely are important. But 
urinary incontinence is right up there. It's a mm -hmm. huge factor and, and indicator for that. So I just remember thinking like, wow, why don't we ask our low back pain patients that regularly? And we yeah, really should. Exactly. So yeah. That makes total sense. And so with that information, what were the top three things that you addressed with her in your plan? Every single person that I work with, I always ask if they have seen a pelvic floor physical therapist. And if they haven't, if they have access to one, then I will have them do that basically in collaboration with working with me. So that was my first recommendation. She lives uh, not too far from me. So I knew a few in the area that she could go see. Uh, so that was number one. The other was addressing the the lifestyle kind of habits that she was doing. So she was retired. She plays golf, I think it was four days a week. It's been, and she also goes for long walks. And she was always putting pads in and always, you know, pre going to the bathroom. So she would go to the bathroom before she left the house. She would go to the bathroom when she got to the golf course. She would go at nine holes. She would go at the 18th hole. She would go before she oh, man. left the golf course, you know. And so just in case. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Just in case peeing. And so we addressed that. So she was able to identify also that caffeine was a big trigger for her. Um, she didn't completely eliminate it, but she did reduce her coffee intake. And she also upped her water intake. So she also was recognizing that she was limiting fluids, which is very common for people to do. They limit water because they think, well, if I don't have any liquid in me, I won't leak. I won't have that urge to go. So she was also dehydrated. So she had concentrated urine. So that was irritating her bladder. And so she was needing to go. So I got her to up her water intake, uh, which she was really <laughs> afraid to do because she thought it was going to make things worse. Right. Um, but uh, it, we just took that kind of baby steps. Um, and then this, the third thing was looking at her posture and she was, when she was at home, like she was very active, but when she was at home, she would sit a lot. And so she sat like many, many people do sort of a tucked under posteriorly tilted pelvis. Mm -hmm. And she also held on to that strategy when she was standing. So she had a very flat backside and she was quite grippy in, in her bum. So she held on to more tension than she should have. So we worked on releasing a lot. So a lot of exercises to release tension in the posterior pelvic floor and the glutes and the surrounding musculature, and then getting her connected with her pelvic floor from a, like coordinating the pelvic floor with the diaphragm. So breathing. Right. And then layering that into movement. It always comes down, basically, you look at posture and alignment, getting them connected with the breath, and then coordinate that into movement. When I work with somebody, I do four sessions with them, and they also get access to online content that I have that is all the videos that they need to support the work that they're doing. Very so cool. We worked together for a month, and her she went down, um, like symptom-wise, it was cut in half by 50%. She was still wearing pads, but she wasn't going to the bathroom as frequently. And she was noticing her back pain was improved. So it wasn't eliminated. She continued to work with the pelvic floor physio. She went once over the span of the month that we were together. Uh, she went once at the end and the physio had seen improvement. And then I had also made recommendations for her to see a naturopathic doctor specializing in women's health to address um, estrogen and looking at local vaginal estrogen. Mm. And so she started using that. We stopped working together. She was very diligent. She continued on. She saw the physio again. She was now starting estrogen. She continued on with her daily exercise and she had further improvements, she would say, like, my back pain is almost completely gone. And then by the third month, she checked it. Again, we were no longer working directly together. She just carried on with the exercises I had given her. Mm -hmm. And um, by the third month, she was 
no longer wearing pads. She wasn't running her life around her bladder. Her back pain was completely gone. She was thrilled. She was elated. She was like, I have my life back. And I'm, you know, even from a sexual health perspective, she was dealing with pain with sex as well. And that was gone. She did the work. And that's another important piece is you, it's not a quick fix. It's not something that you just take a pill for. It's not something that you do, you know, Kegels for a week and all of a sudden you're cured and you never do them again. It is, it is a process. And this is now a lifestyle that she uh, will continue on with. She will do daily exercise. She's on vaginal estrogen. She now monitors her water. She knows about bladder irritants and, um, but she has her life back and she feels like, right. She feels that's free. Amazing. And, yeah. So, yeah. And I, I think too, like it was great to hear that timeline because it isn't a quick fix, but three months of your time, that's worth it. You know, yep. I mean, just hearing what you said about her quality of life being so much better, like that's incredible. Yeah. I just, I mean, I love how collaborative you are. That's just so refreshing and wonderful to hear. I'm a big proponent of collaborative care as, as really all of medicine should be. And we yes. are working towards that. I just think that's great. You know, working with the naturopathic doctor and the estrogen, the, the PT, the fitness side of things, the lifestyle changes. I mean, that's yeah. just all so important. And I think the point you made about this is a lifestyle that she can continue mm -hmm. and continue to see the benefits of is, is a really big point that I think gets missed often. Yeah. Yeah. We need, we need a village. We really do. Um, and, and we, we don't in North America embrace that philosophy. Many cultures around the world do have villages to help raise children, villages for care and support. And, and we have a super, you know, super mom, or we can do everything by ourselves mentality, but we really truly need collaborative healthcare and we need a village to support us. It's not just one thing that works for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just want to like end it on that point because that's such a great point. But thank you so much for joining me today, Kim. It's just been so wonderful talking to you and thank you for all the work that you do. And if you just want to say real quick how people can get in contact with you or what your website is, I just want to make sure that everyone knows that. Sure. Yeah. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity to share with your community and, and thanks for the kind words. Uh, vaginacoach.com is my website and social media wise, basically, if you go to Google and put vagina coach in, you'll find me in all the different <laughs> platforms. It's um, a pretty good title to have. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's easy to remember. It was, it, yeah, it, it's uh, some. It's a bit of sticker shock for some people, but at the end of the day, it's it's a word that nobody likes to say. But we have to start talking about it. We have to have this conversation. So I'll just put it out there boldly. So vagina totally. coach, you'll find me. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kim. Thanks. I appreciate it very much. Take care. Bye bye. You too. Bye. Thanks everyone for tuning in to Pelvic Floor at its core. Quick disclaimer for you, Flight by Pelvidol is approved for pelvic floor strengthening and SUI only. All information provided on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended to replace medical advice. Always seek out a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have about a medical condition. And if you have a question about flight and its indications for use, please see our website at flighttherapy.com. And that's it. See you next time on the next episode of Pelvic Floor at its Core.